Welcome to the Hardwood Hogs podcast. I'm your host, Mason Cho, joined as always by Jackson Collier. You know him best as JC Hoops. And we, uh, I mean, just what a difference a week makes, Jackson. Last last week when we were talking on this podcast, it was just doom and gloom. Is this team even going to make the NCAA tournament? And I I don't I I'm I'm afraid to say it we we might have fallen into the trap now Arkansas did beat Ole Miss and LSU who are two of the bottom feeders in the SEC like two two teams that were clearly just not that great not that great of basketball teams just just to put it simply like not good basketball teams right now but wins are wins especially in the SEC and now you got a trip to Baylor coming up and we're gonna talk about that it's a tough 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 game at Baylor, but it presents a great opportunity for this Arkansas team. And uh, so we got a lot to get to today. And let's just start with it, Jackson. The wins the wins against LSU and Ole Miss, I mean, just incredible defensive performances by Arkansas. You started to see some leadership come through. From your perspective, you know, what has really changed, aside from the fact that they were home, you know, like that helps being in front of your home crowd. But what have you seen that's helped them have success over these past two games? I think the first thing that comes to mind is playing two pretty bad opponents at home. I think that that really does help. Um, But outside of that, when you look at the actual play from the team, you look at uh, Devonte Davis becoming more of a vocal leader. You know, Musselman even talked about that in his press conferences. And his level of play in general, too, has really skyrocketed, especially over the last four and five games. Um, I think over the last five games, he's shooting 50% from three, um, averaging uh, something like 14 or 15 points a game and rebounding really well, creating, facilitating for other guys. So that's been one huge issue or one huge uh, plus um especially the last two games um defending without fouling um that was a big um i guess point of emphasis was trying to defend without fouling we talked a little bit about how it seemed like across college basketball as a whole and also in the sec like uh it seemed like officials were calling games a little bit tighter so you have to adjust to that and pull off a little bit and i think arkansas was able to maintain their physicality while defending smarter uh, and they were, they were forcing turnovers, but they also weren't getting into terrible foul trouble. I think that was a huge, huge thing. Um, and also just as a team, they're knocking down some more shots. Uh, looks like free throw percentage is going up a little bit too. Um, you already mentioned good defense, um, t- kind of tying in with defending without fouling. So you, you take all of those things, and I think they did all of them really well the past two games. Um, you obviously had to have those both of them. You couldn't go one and one in those two games. You had to win both of them. They managed to do that. They, now they're back within striking distance, not to compete for like winning the conference. Um, but they're now three and five in SEC play, and their next game on the road at Baylor is obviously non-conference. Um, but they're within striking distance of you know having a competitive conference record, finishing in the top half, or even a little bit higher than that in conference. And if you were to say Arkansas starts the the conference slate one and five and to sit here and be like, oh, well, the way they're playing um, and the the way the schedule turns out, you know, they could still finish top half. I think Arkansas fans would take that. And that's where I believe they'll they'll end up ultimately. Um, winning those two games was huge. And, and, you know, I mentioned kind of jokingly, like they were two of the worst teams in conference, but 
what that does is, regardless of opponent, you you have two games where the team seemingly played well for a full 40 minutes for the most part in both of them. And you have that confidence now. You, you see yourself winning games. You see yourself playing well against conference opponents. You get revenge against LSU, who they probably shouldn't have lost to the first time on the road. Um, and now you have confidence and momentum. And those two things, regardless of opponent, when you start building confidence, when you start building momentum, it really does help a, a team's mentality, their their emotions, their psyche, everything. So really big to not only win those two games, but win them as handily as they did. Yeah, the, the confidence factor is something that we heard a lot about on Thursday from Makai Mitchell. He, I mean, he talked about this team going into the Baylor game. He said that they were confident. He he liked the game plan. He said that, you know, they're going to be as confident going into a game at Baylor as any opponent has this year. And, you know, that was that was great to hear from him. He said they weren't going to back down. And I just don't know if you would have heard, you know, words like that from any player on the team, you know, a week and a half ago. I, I mean, I, I know that as a whole, the team probably didn't really get down, you know, you look at it from a fan perspective. Everybody's down on the team. Everybody's upset. Arkansas is one and five in conference play. And we did hear from from Makai Mitchell that I mean, like the, the the coaches, you know, were keeping them confident. The coaches weren't getting down. So from an you know a, a perspective of inside the team, I don't think anybody was really worried. And you're starting to see it now. They win two straight games. Now they're going to play Baylor. They're very confident and. That's what you want. You want that type of confidence. You know, you talked about Devo Davis emerging as a leader. That's something they needed. They're starting. I mean, Makai Mitchell talked at length about Devo Davis. You know, he sees Devo Davis doing this work, you know, outside of the games, outside of practice. He's shooting. We've heard from, you know, Gus Arginal. We talked to him on Thursday. He said that he's many of times gone to the facility and seen Devo Davis with the lights dim, just taking shots, whether it be by himself or with a GA. He's working. So it's like lead by example. And then you start to see everybody else, you know, follow and start to do it that way as well. So, uh, you know, I mean, good for this Arkansas team, good for this team. And before we, uh, we move on with the show, I want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by dead Soxy, dead Soxy, a premium sock company. Very, very, very nice socks. I love dead Soxy. They sent us socks for Christmas. We love them. We wear them every day. Great socks. And you can get you can get some of your own. Go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And for listeners of the Hardwood Hawks podcast, if you need an incredible promotional gift or a giveaway or something for a fundraiser, you can get custom socks made. It's a very, very good promotional product. Um, think about it. Every person you know wears socks every day, and they want to wear their favorite pair. So take advantage of that knowledge and take fundraising or branding or whatever it is for you to a whole new level. Minimum order is 100 pairs, so you need to have a big group of people, but uh, you can get it for $100 off if you make this custom order when you go to deadsoxy.com slash custom, deadsoxy.com slash custom. Uh, get your project started now and get you some nice socks over at Dead Soxy. All right, so... Uh, we talked about the Ole Miss, the LSU games, the way this Arkansas team has been playing. They've been shooting the three ball better. Devo Davis has been playing better basketball. Uh, what it? What else is it, Jackson? Because I mean, th- there's you mentioned it. The, the opponents, yeah, Ole Miss, LSU, bad opponents. But 
you started to see it there in the second half of the LSU game where I think we all the way the first half went, Arkansas was just dominating. I mean, they I mean every facet of the game, I think they went on a 23 to 2 run to end the first half. It was just incredible. And then here comes LSU to open the second half. And you're like, oh my goodness, here we go again. Arkansas is going to blow another lead. But you saw Devo Davis, you know, he calls a timeout at one point. You see the Arkansas team, like they, yes, LSU made a comeback, but Arkansas, you know, kept their foot on the gas. They figured it out. They didn't let LSU get back into the game. They didn't let LSU get within single digits. And so, that's a big thing for this team after the way that they, you know, you blow a lead against Vanderbilt, the the way Alabama hit all those threes in that game in Fayetteville. Uh, you think about the Missouri game, how you let Missouri come back. For the team to be able to, you know, close out the game against LSU, keep them within a, a distance, that's something that Gus talked about, was they have to be able to close out games. They can't finish games. When when you look back at the Alabama game, it's Alabama's up 65-63, to 63. Uh, Arkansas is just two points away and Alabama calls a timeout and they come out and hit three straight threes. The next thing you know, it's an 11 point game. And so, you know, for this team to close out games, Jackson, when it's a, a close game, a two point game, say it's a two point game against Baylor this Saturday, you know, what do you need to see from this team to close out games, to finish down the stretch, to win those close games that are going to be important, you know, come March. So I think I have three main areas. I think Arkansas has done really well against Ole Miss and LSU. Um, number one is uh, closing out uh, defensive possessions with a rebound. Um, might seem like, yeah, of course, duh, you don't allow second chance points. But, I mean, there's no better way for a team to come back. And honestly, there's not many more demoralizing ways for a team to come back is if they get to four, six points off of offensive rebounds in a short sequence. So, Closing, if you have if you have a two point lead and it's close and, you know, you force a a tough shot late in the shot clock, you know, that's a high point for a defense. And then you don't want to come down from that by allowing an offensive rebound to put back, especially not an and one or anything. Close out those possessions, um, especially at home. You get the crowd gets into it. Arkansas fans are a smart fan base. Um, especially the the ones that actually go to the games, live attendees, because you can hear it. Like they know how important these possessions are. And you you go see Makai Mitchell sky up for a board up two, um, and he comes down with it. It's gonna erupt. I mean, maybe not like super loud. But there's gonna be some applause, and Arkansas is gonna go the other way. And that kind of leads into my second point. Um, you can't turn the ball over. Teams. This day and age in college basketball, a lot of teams love to score in transition. If you turn it over in the backcourt or really just any turnover, live ball turnover, uh, you put yourself in a really tough spot because more often than not, teams are going to convert on that, whether that's, um, you know, getting all the way down and actually getting an easy bucket, getting an and one or a foul in general and just taking the ball out, anything like that. You want it when you're in a close game late, you want to take as much care as possible of uh, making your possessions as efficient as possible. Uh, Musselman has talked multiple times about, you know, points per possession and and maximizing and being efficient and all this sort of stuff that really matters more down the stretch of close games. So uh, not turning the ball over, making sure you can um, take 25 seconds off the shot clock and finish with a good look or get to the rim or something like that, getting to the free throw line, all that sort of stuff, but not, not allowing any live ball turnovers. And then on top of that, you know, 
you don't want to stop attacking either. Uh, so that's probably my third point is um, while you, you still secure the boards, you still um, don't turn the ball over. You don't want to stop attacking the basket. You don't want to stop, stop moving as an offense. You want to still stay in your normal set. Uh, doesn't have to be necessarily super fast, super up tempo. It can be kind of a quote unquote stall ball like like Musselman uh, can run sometimes. Um, but the goal is to run clock and get a good look. If you can run your offense without turning the ball over and you're actually cutting, diving, moving the ball, you're still running, making the defense work and all that sort of stuff, and you either drive to the paint or you you get a good look. That that's all you can ask for. And you, sometimes you don't make the shot, but. Uh, those are the three, in my mind, those are the three most important parts of closing out a close basketball game. I like it all. I, I, I like it all. And I think that, you know, you look at it, they've, they've closed out of the past two. They, I mean, of course there's been a distance there, but you look at this game against Baylor uh, number, they're the number Baylor is the number two team in the nation in adjusted offensive efficiency. Like they are very, very good. They have three guards that are just, I mean, incredible guards that they're all averaging uh, double digit points. Keontae George, 16.9 points. Adam Flagler, 16.1. LJ Cryer, 14.2 points. I mean, elite, elite guards. But then you look at Arkansas, they have the number 13 adjusted defensive efficiency in the country. So you have a great offense going up against a great defense. Uh, and then you look at Arkansas and it's it's kind of on the flip side, Arkansas's offense compared to Baylor's defense. Both of them are kind of like, you know, a little bit further down. You're talking 62 for Arkansas, 90 for Baylor's defense. So uh, it will be an interesting matchup, you know, between the Baylor offense and the Arkansas defense. Baylor has the advantage of being at home. Um, but there's there's just a, a lot of factors that go into that game. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be on ESPN. Uh what do you want to see from Arkansas? We we've seen we've seen it from Devo Davis. That's what we've seen. I think that he's going to keep playing good. Like I, I the way you look at Devo Davis, he's on this five game stretch where it, it's one of the better stretches of his career. We have a story over at hogbeat.com, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com, talking about Devontae Davis and just how how he's been playing in conference play. I mean, his numbers in conference play compared to his numbers before conference play is just a completely different story. He's averaging almost 14 points per game in conference when he was averaging just seven and a half in non-conference. Now you have to take into account the fact that uh, he did miss one game. Uh, Trevin Brazil was playing in non-conference. Nick Smith had a, a few games there. So you have to take those things into account. But I mean, we've mentioned it. You mentioned it earlier. He's playing an elite level of basketball, but Going up against a team like Baylor, you're going to need it from everybody, especially on defense. Like They're going to have to be on their A game defensively, but offensively you're going to have to score the basket, uh, score the ball. And so who do you need to see step up? I mean, there's got to be somebody who steps up, maybe like a Jordan Walsh type. Maybe you see it from J – maybe it's a Jalen Graham game, maybe Joseph Pinion. Like how much Baylor basketball have you watched, Jackson? Just be honest with me. I've only lost like one or two Baylor games, honestly. Okay. So, well, it's hard to say like, okay, well then tell me where you can see Arkansas exploit this Baylor team. But I don't know. Who who do you think it could be? Because, I mean, it cannot just be Devo. It can't just be Devo and Anthony Black. Uh, you know, you get your normal six to eight points from Makai Mitchell. Like, you're going to have to get more than that against a team like Baylor. 
You know, I'm really looking at uh, Ricky Council to kind of get back uh, to where he was before. Uh, he's kind of struggled of late. You know, Devo's made up for, you know, a little bit of a lacking of performance uh, from, from Ricky, which if Devo was producing like he, he had been and Ricky struggling, you know, we're talking about a completely different scenario. Um, I still have confidence that Ricky's going to turn it around. He's too good of a basketball player to continue to to struggle. I thought he played well against LSU. He might not have put up fantastic uh, numbers, like a, a bunch of numbers, but I thought he played efficiently uh, for the most part. I thought he took good, good care of the ball. His shot selection was better. He was utilizing a lot of pump fakes and, and um, moving the ball around, uh, reversing the ball, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think offensively, you're really going to need him to step up and be able to hit a jump shot or two, be able to still attack the rim, finish at the rim. He's going to need to score against Baylor. Um, it's going to be a tough backcourt matchup. Um, I mean, Baylor is kind of known under Scott Drew, especially since, they, uh, since they've since they been on their tear the last five-plus years. They've been kind of known for having really, really good backcourts. So um, Devo's got to still be playing at his high level. I think Council's got to really step up. AB's got to keep playing like he's been playing the last four games or so, too, uh, where he's been very efficient as well. I think the university put out a graphic uh, on him over the last four games as well. And then on top of that, um, you know, they're the number two team in the country. I, you also have to get something from Jordan Walsh. You you also have to get something from, from him because, you know, they're – a good enough coach team, like Scott Drew's one of the best in the country. They're going to utilize, despite their defense efficiency rating, all that sort of stuff, they're going to utilize their matchups, their talent, whatever. They're going to try to make Arkansas go away from Devo, go away from AB, because um, that's just what really good coaches do. So you're going to have to have, you know, a Council and a Walsh both kind of step up to to make the defense play more honest. You, you might even have to see Makai be the focal point in some areas too, to uh, because they might lay off him like, oh well, they don't really run the offense through him. He's a you know six to eight point per game guy. Just put up ten, eight, and three blocks against. Uh, LSU, which is a really good performance, but you know, it, it also depends on the type of defense Baylor runs too. Um, with Arkansas playing better, will they run a man or will they go to zone? If they go zone, it's going to be a lot more difficult because Arkansas hasn't proven that they can still attack a zone. They've proven they can hit shots, but attacking a zone is still uh, a struggle at times, it seems. Um, they looked like they were getting into the pick and roll action with Makai Mitchell a little bit that last game. That works wonders against a man. It's going to be hard to run a pick and roll against the zone because you pick and you roll and the defense stays where it is. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. You know, have to have Ricky step up, have to have Walsh contribute. And if if they're really keying in on Devo and AB, you're going to possibly have to run the offense through Makai too to try to get those three guys all working together uh, and scoring at a level where the defense has to play more honestly. A lot of great stuff there. A lot of great stuff from you, Jackson. Always appreciate you breaking it down like that. Ricky Council. I, I, that's the thing is, like, I mentioned those guys and didn't even say Ricky Council because that's what it's been, like, the past few games is where is Ricky Council. Luckily, they didn't, you know, need an incredible performance from him uh, against LSU and Ole Miss. But, you know, he's a guy who he was leading the SEC in scoring at one point this season, and he's still – I, I'm I'm assuming he's still top five. I haven't. He's number four. Okay, so like that's a guy that you're gonna need him to continue to score at that rate. I'm glad that you brought him up. Uh, before we move forward, I want to remind you about Bet Saracen. It is the official 
uh, mobile sports gambling partner of hogbeat.com. And it is the mobile sports gambling app for the Saracen Casino Resort. Go download Bet Saracen. It is a local uh, in-state Arkansas mobile sports gambling app. They have a lot of Arkansas player props, uh, specials, stuff like that for all of the Arkansas games. They did have one special that was very interesting. I think it was like, I don't remember what they titled it, but it was it was plus 4,000 odds for the score of the Arkansas LSU game to be the same score as it was last time, but flipped. So Arkansas wins 60 to 57. Of course, that didn't happen, but I, I thought it was an interesting interesting bet. I I, I would not have taken that at plus 4,000 odds. That was not one that in our weekly bet Saracen story, I, I did not say to take that one, but I think we're, mm, what are we? We're like six and three over like the past three or four games on our picks. We're hot. Like we're, we're, we're getting close to being 500 because we we're below 500. So we're, we're making our way back. So make sure you visit hogbeat.com for the bet Saracen uh, player props, odds, lines, and a staff pick story that we do before games as well. So bet Saracen, go download it. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Really appreciate them. Okay, Jackson, I want to ask you some questions from your mailbag that you uh, you put out on Twitter. We're going to answer a few of the Twitter questions. If you want to confirm that your question gets answered, go to hogbeat.com, subscribe, and you can get your questions answered from Jackson on the trough. He answers every question over on the trough message board Twitter. Uh, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but and then you you also do the story where you you put some of your best questions and answers on there every week as well. So this is these are all reasons why you need to subscribe to Hogbeat.com. It is an incredible website. We do much more than just basketball. Baseball season coming up. Nobody covers baseball Arkansas baseball better than Hogbeat.com. Uh, 22 days. Twenty two days. Today is Jackson Wiggins days away from Arkansas baseball. Very excited to get the, the the Diamond Hogs podcast up, by the way, Jackson. No offense to you, but the Diamond Hogs podcast is my favorite podcast to do. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say it. It's my favorite. Um, okay, let me see. I had one that I liked. Oh, here we go. This is from Justin underscore Ternes, T-E-R-N-E-S. Uh, who do you feel would have the biggest positive impact if they were to get five to ten more minutes per game. I'm going to start this off by saying you should be impressed that I even knew that we were 22 days away from baseball season. It's not like I make a post every day of how many days we are away. I, that's irrelevant, sir. No, um, that is that is very relevant. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> There's um, also a thread on our message board that I keep updated with how many days away. So... Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Didn't have to call me out like that. <laughs> okay, um, five to ten more minutes. You know, it's tough because there hadn't really been a set rotation recently. Um, you've seen Musselman kind of change minute allocation, change who plays where and when um, based on matchups. Um, we saw Mikael Mitchell play a lot of minutes. And then we saw Mikael Mitchell play zero minutes and then played some again and got hurt. Um, I don't know. I think in my mind, consistently with the rotation, I, I look at two players. Um, I look at Joseph Pinion. Um, I think playing him five to ten more minutes and um, being able to utilize him more off of 
screens, curls, cuts, all that sort of stuff. And he's been scoring inside too. He's really good at diving to the basket on the offside. Like for instance, he's in the corner on the right side. The ball gets a post entry from the left side. He does a really good job of diving to that short corner. Um, and the posts have done a good job and, and the guards on the drives have done a really good job of finding him. He's got a few baskets from that offside, just like that. Uh, I think his ability to kind of read the defense like that um, and also his spot up shooting ability. Um, I think five to 10 minutes there could really benefit. Um, I mean, especially in a game like against Baylor, where it's going to be physical in the backcourt, you're going to need your backcourt depth, um, which Arkansas does not have a ton of right now. Um, and if it's going to be, uh, it could be a shootout depending on how good, uh, Baylor's, uh, offense is against Arkansas's defense. I think Arkansas is going to be able to put up points, um, could be a shootout. So you might need someone like Joseph Pinion in there to be able to hit shots to keep pace with Baylor. If that ends up being what's ha- what happens. Um, additionally, I think five plus minutes more for like Mikel Mitchell when he's healthy, um, He's such a good rim protector. Um, he sets incredible screens on the perimeter. It, it, whenever he sets a screen uh, and when defense is in man, they they just can't get through him. They can't go over. They can't go under. They can't do anything. He gets such a really good wide stance, and he is just so thick that, that they just they kind of stick. And, you know, that might be an underrated part of, of basketball is having a good screen setter, but honestly, it's it's a huge deal. Um, and between that and his ability to protect the rim and rebound, I mean, um, I think it was might have been against Vanderbilt or it was either Vanderbilt or Ole Miss that he he out rebounded his twin. I think they kind of flipped because those two games were when they were both uh, playing together. Um, I think they alternated who rebounded more, but I think you know you give Joseph Penny, you give Mikel Mitchell some more time. Uh, I think that really helps the team out because. I think you you limit your front court rotation to Makai at the five and then bring in Kel to spell him at the five and then essentially and sometimes run uh, Kamani or, or Graham behind them. I think that's a good front court rotation. Uh, okay. A lot of people are going to be upset that you didn't mention Jalen Graham because here's here's my thing. Here's I my opinion on Jalen Graham is that he's a an elite scorer of the basketball. He's very good at scoring. It's pretty obvious every time he's in, they're running plays for him, and it's almost like just plays for Jalen Graham when he's on the court. Worked well against LSU. It's worked well a couple other times this year. It hasn't worked well a couple other times this year. So talk about Graham because I'm looking at the questions on the Hogbeat message board and on Twitter. There's multiple questions about Jalen Graham. Let's just put it this way. What is it with him, um, and what are your overall thoughts on him, and I guess just why he's not getting more minutes because it seem, it's 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 just back and forth. Like when he has a bad game, people are like, okay, this is why he doesn't play. But then you, you look at the LSU game, and here comes the crowd again. Like why is Jalen Graham not playing more minutes? So kind of just break it down for people. So I guess in my mind, he comes in and he's either – hot from the jump and he's like okay he got a quick basket here he pulled down a rebound here playing good defense here and he's like okay if he does that his first couple possessions two three possessions you know he'll probably get some run and and get the opportunity to be able to be that player and to score and all that sort of stuff and when he does that um you know he's not bad defensively and he's not bad at defensive rebounding either 
And so I think that's where fans kind of look like, well, see, he got four rebounds or five rebounds this game, and he still scored seven points or whatever. Um, why didn't he get more run? Well, because then he also has a game where he comes in and he immediately fouls and he turns the ball over on his first two touches. And you're like, okay, well, can't exactly play you extended minutes if that's the first two possessions you're going to get. So it's kind of a short leash deal. Um, but I think it's also kind of a boomer bust deal. I mean, you look at it on Ken Palm, he's got the highest, like he's got some of the lowest minutes, but when you look at his usage rate, when he's on the floor, it's like the top of the team, like going back to what you said earlier, like immediately, as soon as he's in the game, they're getting the ball to him. They're running the offense through him. They're trying to get him going. I think if they do that and it's not working and that kind of leads to fouls or that leads to bad defense, or even if he is playing defense, he's not scoring. I just think that's kind of where the 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 issue is. Yeah, you mentioned the Ken Palm thing. If you look at Arkansas and Ken Palm and like the players, Jalen Graham is the only guy that's listed as a go-to guy because he's used on thirty percent of the possessions that he's in the game. And so, um, I mean, that's just how it is with him. That's what I. It's not going to change when he gets in the game. That they're going to want him to score the ball. Um, but I'm glad that you were able to break it down for some people. All right. Um, we're going to do one more ad read. And then I want you I want you to think about this while I'm doing the ad read, Jackson, because I'm putting you on the spot here. I want you to give me a pick to click for this weekend and a prediction for the game. We haven't really done this. Um, a pick to click, like a, a player that you think is going to do well for Arkansas, not for Baylor. Nobody cares about Baylor on this podcast. Uh, so I'm going to read at a moderate pace and you think about that and then we'll we'll come back here and we'll talk about it all right if you are a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands you need to go to myperfectfranchise.net andy ledecky is a longtime rivals member and franchise veteran he's owned multiple franchises and businesses and he uses that expertise to help others find their american dream through a very thorough and free that's the keyword there, free consultation process. Call Andy, put your life and career in your own hands. It's 100% free, so what do you have to lose? Uh, the number is 404-973-9901. Andy Ledecky with MyPerfectFranchise.net. A very thorough process, and it helps you get set up to make a lot of money by owning a franchise. So call him 404-973-9901, MyPerfectFranchise.net. Net. All right, Jackson, you ready? Ready as I'll ever be, I suppose. All right, go ahead. Okay, so my pick to click, I guess. Um, you know, it's tough because I don't want to just sit here and be like, oh yeah, Devo Davis, because he's gonna continue going on his uh five game streak. And I feel like that's almost too easy. Uh, because I really am confident that Devo Davis is going to play really well. Um I'm going to go with Makai Mitchell. I I think that I don't know. I I'm going to get probably some uh, gruff for this, I guess, because I've I'm I'm big on Makai Mitchell. Maybe maybe too much so. Uh, some might say, but um, I don't I don't know. He is uh he's very good. I think I think he has a good matchup, honestly, um, against Baylor. Um. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what else to say other than I really do believe in Makai Mitchell. I think he's a defensive stalwart. I think 
with the way that Baylor's backcourt is, with the way that they're going to try to prevent Arkansas from going to Devo Davis and going through AB, I think you're going to see a lot of Arkansas try to penetrate and they're going to drop down and and to double team the guards on the penetration. And if you have that happen, if it's the post, if they get deep enough where the post is the one who has to step up, that's going to, in theory, lead a drop off from Akai Mitchell. And if they're playing super aggressive on the guards, if you're running that pick and roll action like they did against against LSU, then I don't know. It's just uh, I think it's really beneficial for for Arkansas and for Makai this matchup. Look, you don't have to convince me on Makai Mitchell. I, I I'm I have been known to be a Makai Mitchell guy, or Makai Mitchell is my guy, and so I I I I agree. You know, I think I mean an elite defender. Um, I think he's playing the best basketball he has so far through SEC play. There was an adjustment period there for him because he hadn't played SEC basketball. And so I think he's starting to get in that groove. We heard from Gus Arginal on Thursday that Makai Mitchell and Mikel Mitchell, you know, the big thing about them is they're grinders. Like they show up to practice and they work as hard in practice as anybody. And you're starting to see the fruit of that labor in the games. And so uh, I like Makai. I think that, the way that he was talking to us on Thursday, he sounds very confident, as he should after you mentioned the 10.8 rebound game against LSU. Uh, three blocks, two of them were like in on LSU's like first possession, I think, I think something like that. So elite defender. Um, I think they need to – we've talked about this on this podcast. I'd like to see them run more offense through Makai. I, I would. He he was asked about the about his three point shooting because he's shooting a hundred percent from three this year and it's just one shot against Vanderbilt, but he said like if the opportunity presents itself like I'll shoot it. I think he needs to be. I don't know. It's tough because you say this and then if he goes out there and misses, you know, every shot he takes, then you're like, okay, well that was a stupid idea, but. But to be fair, when I when I I think I even mentioned this in my breakdown when the uh, twins committed to Arkansas through the transfer portal, I, I looked, I watched a ton of film on them because I was really intrigued because they were a name that kind of came out of nowhere almost. And he's got a decent shot. He doesn't take a ton, he didn't take a ton at Rhode Island, but you know it's it's not a bad it's not bad form. It can go in. Um, He's made them before in college basketball. I mean, granted, it wasn't SEC-level basketball, but nobody's guarding him out there right now, really. So I don't see an issue with letting him take a couple here or there. Not like, don't, I don't think he should be shooting a lot of them. Um, but, you know, maybe an occasional one, maybe try to help space the floor a little bit more. Yeah. Let me. I'm looking at the quote right now. He said, um, I'm definitely comfortable with shooting a three. Last year was his first year doing it. It was a little shaky, but this year – uh, with the offseason, he's been getting a lot more shots up. He feels more comfortable doing it. So if the time comes, he'll do it. He'll shoot it. Okay. I don't know. I I, I I just think that he's, you know, we talk about his defense, but he is a weapon offensively as well. So our time's running out, so we got to let you guys go. Arkansas Baylor, 3 p.m. Central Time on ESPN Saturday. Make sure you go to hogbeat.com. We'll have you covered with a scouting report coming out on Friday. Get you everything you need to know about Baylor. We'll have how to watch details, projected lineups, stats, quotes, notes, everything you need. And we'll also have live updates during the game, uh, post-game press conference after the game, takeaway story, gamer, everything. Hogbeat.com, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. 
Uh, all right. Thanks, Jackson. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Hardwood Hogs podcast. <laughs>